Welcome to this episode of the Cycling Industry News podcast in association with Zara Fisher. Uh, for this episode, we are with Jay Ramasco, International Sales Director of Tofosi. So, Jay, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Haley. It's great to be here. Let's start at the beginning. What's the background behind Tofosi and how has the brand got to where it is today? Well, that's a good question. Um, Tofosi uh, came into existence about uh, 12 years ago and uh, it was founded by uh, my boss, a man named Joe Early, and his wife Elizabeth. And Joe was a sales rep who was um, uh, seeing dealers all over the southeast of the United States. He was a very successful sales rep, but he wanted to start his own business with his wife. And um, uh, essentially, he he kept asking dealers, you know, what do you think would be a good category to be in? And and uh, many dealers said, listen, you know, eyewear is a a good possibility because there's the high end, which is Oakley and a little bit of Rudy Project and brands like that. And then there's the low end, which where the quality of the product just wasn't wasn't there, even if it was low priced. So they said, basically, you know, Joe, there's a there's a position in the market for something that's well made and is quality in terms of technology and materials, um, but that's reasonably priced because people were. You know, with with Oakley's expansion into Sunglass Hut and to optical shops, they weren't paying as much attention to um, the, ch- the the IBD channel. And secondly, consumers could find Oakley in so many other places that they weren't buying as much. So dealers were seeing their sales come down. And and so Joe, that's when Joe said, "Hey, you know, if I can if I can find a way to emulate Oakley in terms of product quality." but also find a way to make it reasonably priced, then there might be a good business. So there was a, an, a window of opportunity in the States uh, to the point where Tifosi is now 70% of the market in the United States, okay? So Oakley kind of left that door open for us as they expanded into other channels. And what we've found over those years, and it wasn't there at the beginning. Uh, at the beginning, we had to source product from vendors, and it, it wasn't our own tooling, and uh, some of the materials weren't quite up to the spec of Oakley. But in the past it's 12 to 14 years now, we have reached a point where we're absolutely on par with Oakley's specs. So TR Grilla, TR90 Grillamid frames, we use that. Hydrophilic rubber that sticks on better when it's wet. Um, When you sweat, uh, we use that. Now these were Oakley inventions. Uh, uh, Polycarbonate lenses that are curved instead of glass lenses that were straight like Ray-Ban or Varnay in those days. Oakley invented pretty much every feature in eyewear that is now accepted as a standard. And, And we're able to source our lenses from some of the same companies. We use the same frame material, TR90. We use hydrophilic rubber. So the spec isn't a secret anymore. Um, we might make something for, let's say, $15. We sell it to our distributor for 30 They sell it to the dealer for 50 and it retails for 70 or 80 whereas Oakley, they make it for 15 and sell it to the dealer for 100 yeah. So they make $85 profit. We make 15 <laughs> And that's why they do the marketing they do. But the spec is now exactly the same. So what's happened is um, we're making great product at a great price, and it, it, it just took off in the States to the point where we're 70% of the market. And now in the U.K. with Zyro, in 10 years I've been coming over, um, we're 
we're over 50% of the market here now. So there was the same need. Because when I first came here in 2010 and did the Zyro open house, um, dealers would say to me, I'd, I'd ask them at the presentation, hey, how, you, how do you do with eyewear? And they'd basically say, well, and I, I don't do so well. Oakley's too high priced and I, the low end stuff I don't want to sell. I'm a specialty shop, I don't want to sell junk. And um, I said, okay, so let me, let me see if I've got something that answers your need, which is quality and price at the same time. And so um, we're specced at the Oakley level now, but we're one-third the retail price on average. So if a, a pair of Oakley radars is 180 or something, we're typically at 60, 60 pounds or $60. So it's worked out great. And Zyro Fisher um, has been a fantastic partner. Um, their, their sales reps are tuned into our product. Um, it's not a huge category for dealers. You know, it's, it's, if a dealer sells 100 pairs of Tifosi a, a year, that's pretty good. He might average 60, 70 pounds. So it might be seven, seven or 8,000 pounds worth of business. So it's, it's not going to make or break a million-dollar shop. But it's a very simple category to sell, and the reps take care of it. And uh, so that's our position, really good quality, spec to Oakley level. Um, really good retail price, reasonably priced. And then the third thing is we offer lifetime warranty service. So pretty much no questions asked. If something goes wrong, we replace it no charge. So those three are the sort of the three-legged stool of the Tafosi story. And um, it's been very successful. We're in 53 countries worldwide now. Yeah. And are there any new products or projects in the works for 2020 and beyond? There's, there's a couple things, Haley. One is um, uh, with the advent of people like uh, Peter Sagan, for example, with 100%, which is a competitive brand, uh, more competitive price point with Oakley. They're 200 pounds on up. They pretty much, with Sagan, pioneered the big frame glasses that you see now in the Tour de France. Egon Bernal, for example, he's a tiny Colombian rider who had a gigantic full-faced uh, pair of Oakleys on that look like ski goggles. <laughs> I mean, and his tiny face, but they're cool now. So we have three models. We have the Alliant, we have the Davos, and we now have the Athon, which progressively have gotten bigger and bigger. And we have a model coming out in April called the Sledge, appropriately named because it's huge also. <laughs> but people, as, as big as they look, but if you see ski goggles now, they... They cover almost half of people's faces, and you can hardly see a face with a helmet and goggles. And the same thing's happening in cycling eyewear, for road especially. Um, so we have the sledge coming out. And then the other thing that's happened for us that's been huge for us in Zyro here, Zyro Fisher, is, um, is called the Swank Series. Now, this is a, a line of fashion, what we call outdoor lifestyle glasses, Okay, they're really well made, very much in the old Oakley frog skin vein or the Oakley Holbrook, because Oakley's sales are now, in general, they're more lifestyle, like in Sunglass Hut. Um, they keep the technical part to maintain their authenticity, but they sell a lot of fashion. If you walk through the airport, you see guys and gals with the O on fashion glasses. Well, we, we came out with a line called Swank, which is based on the Ray-Ban Wayfarer, 
and um, it's a very nice frame, built the same way as an Oakley Holbrook or, or uh, Frog Skin with a TR90 frame, polycarbonate shatterproof lenses. So the spec is usable on a bike. It's, it's high quality uh, with a ton of really cool colors. And this was a market, and by the way, we priced it at 30 pounds. So instead of even 60, there's a customer, especially young customers, um, or moms, uh, young young men and women who who want that fun wayfarer style that they're familiar with as a sunglass, um, but that's well made and especially has to be reasonably priced. And with multiple colors, they might buy more than one, or if they lose it, it's not the end of the world. So that's now uh, close to 35 percent of our unit sales both in the US and the UK. And it, it's opened up that customer that we didn't reach with the more technical looking models. But some of the technical technical people will also buy them, you know, because they want a pair to wear to the Starbucks or wherever. Yeah. So talk me through some of the more technical aspects of Tafosi's frame and, and lens technology. Yeah. I know that phototech technology is a very big thing for you It guys. is huge. Um, uh, that photochromatic lenses, our, our marketing name for photochromatic is phototech. Uh, that's our trademark. Um, th th this type of lens started with uh, companies like Serengeti and Carrera um, for driving. Uh, and um, uh, it, it was a natural it, in, in conditions where you had office workers wanting glasses that when they walked outside they would turn uh, gray in the sunshine at lunchtime. And, and, as, and it was a company called Transitions that in pretty much pushed and pioneered that technology in that world. And then, it, you know, uh, Rudy Project really was the first company to say, hey, this is really applicable in sports conditions. Um, and uh, another company in the outdoor business called Jilbo. Um, uh, and that's when we said, wow, this, this technology is perfect for cycling because if you're out a couple hours, uh, maybe, maybe even doing marathons or riding your bike, the light conditions change. So you could go out at six in the morning and it's pretty dark and, and then the sunlight comes out at eight if you're doing a long ride. The glass, you know, it, we make interchangeable lenses. You could change them, but most people don't stop and change their lenses. Well, photochromatic lenses adjust to however bright or however not bright the sun is. Um, so it, it was a technology that was perfect for sports. And yet it was priced at, you know, Jilbo, Jilbo and Rudy were up over $200. And we're, again, at 70 pounds with we use the what's called the NXT lens. It's actually made by a company called Essilor, which is the partner parent of Oakley, um, um, Luxottica. So we actually buy product from our competitor, but they're the best made, absolutely uh, equal in, in quality to transitions. And the chemicals in the NXT lens and in transitions are molded into the lens. And there are some companies who make photochromatic lenses by only putting a coating on the front. Then they may be fast at the beginning, but they wear out. They don't keep changing, and they don't keep changing fast. We have a lifetime warranty on our NXT lenses. They change forever, and they keep up their speed. It's 15 seconds 
from light to dark. It takes a little bit longer to go dark to light, uh, but um, light to dark is 15 seconds. And, that, and at this time of year, um, in the winter, in the off season, say from September through March, it's upwards of sometimes 65% of our sales, especially in a place like the UK where the light conditions are variable. Changeable. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's a fantastic least. technology. It's it's magic. You know, you, you you go out. You don't sometimes you don't even know where the the, the lens has changed. But it's super fun. It's it's really great technology that allows people to be outside a lot longer and still have protection. But how does your design process work? Is all your sort of R and D done in house? That's a good question. Now you know we're um, we're a small company relative to companies like Oakley or uh, uh, Ray Ban. Um, so um, we are based in uh, a town called Watkinsville, which is a small town outside of Atlanta. Uh, and uh, uh, Joe Early is our main product designer, and he's the co-owner of the company and uh, president of the company. And he basically works with our our factories. They're not owned by us, but the factories we work with. Uh, which are primarily in Taiwan, um, uh, and they've become partners of ours now over the course of what you know, 12 years. Um, basically, Joe—I'll be honest. I mean, Joe looks really carefully at competitors like Oakley or 100%. So he's on trend and knowing what's going on, and then he's able to now nowadays with uh, technology, computer technology. Um, they can pretty much work, quote unquote, on the back of an envelope with, with shapes, um, with you know 3D printers and mm -hmm. and uh, that sort of thing. Samples can be made quickly. So Joe, now the factory visits us and and uh, it, we're able to get it done um, in a a pretty brief process. You know, brief being six six months or so. Yeah. And we, we change out models every, I'd say model range for a, a lifestyle, is, uh, lifeline is probably three years maybe. So our line that I'm showing now at the show is all of those models are probably no more than five years old. Um, so the, the range gets upgraded every two or three years. Well, so we'll do a couple new models. Now we do them year round because there's no one big trade show anymore. There used to be uh, a show in the U.S. called Interbike yeah. that's gone. And so now we'll, we'll introduce models two or three times a year. Um, and, uh, and Joe works with the factory pretty remotely, um, but um, gets the job done. Because Joe was an athlete himself and is, uh, so am I. So we're, we're kind of tuned into the sport and what what's going on and then it's a matter of what's going on color wise which you you know you, Joe then looks around at what's happening in clothing what's happening in helmets um, and and what the factory sees happening in terms of demand and uh, um, and that's another part where we've really upped our game early on we 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 weren't at colorful enough and Oakley again they lead the way in in that sort of bright translucent colors and uh, and now we're now we're really up to par on the color side. That's been a big uh, addition for us. And you obviously mentioned Interbike yeah. and how that that is no more. Um, yeah. The other yeah. shows like Cabda and stuff are attempting to fill that gap. Is trade shows are they a big thing for for Tofosi or is, are you not really phased too much by by that? 
Well, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I've been in this industry since Interbike started in 1982. Um, and they they brought the show into the fall. You know the shows in back in 1980. You had you had New York in February, Chicago in March, and you had a, a show called Long Beach in January. And then Interbike moved everything to preseason, like the ski industry. And when when Specialized and Trek departed, and then all the other bike companies followed suit, Cannondale, Felt, Giant, you name it they they decided to do their own house shows yeah. um that was the beginning of the end for interbike and no matter what they did whether it was moving to reno or trying to you know get more accessory companies or electric bikes the dealers are driven by these big bike brands and if they're not there and they're already going to a show like a specialized show in morgan hill they're just they just did not see a point of just going for accessories. So now what you have happening, actually, is Chicago Cabda is back. Now, the West show isn't as good, but the February show for Chicago is gaining steam. Kind of like this show, because dealers in February are more tuned in to wanting to place an order for accessories. So for accessories, Cabda is really coming on strong. I think if Interbike had been had enough foresight they probably should have moved to california or vegas in january and just gone with it as a strong accessory show i don't think this this outdoor bike show in july is going to work either because if you don't have the big bike companies you're not going to draw and the, the other unfortunate thing haley is i'm we're starting to see now and you're hearing the germans and swiss and Austrian companies tell us that the dealers are not coming to Eurobike as much. We saw that. Now, we go to Eurobike because we meet with all of our international partners. Yeah. But if you were going to enter uh, Eurobike for dealers, for German dealers, it's starting to be the same thing. German dealers are saying, I already go to the Trek show, I go to the Specialized show, I go to the Cannondale show, I'm not going to go to Eurobike. And I'm afraid we're we're in for a, maybe a repetition of Interbike uh, with Eurobike as a fall show. And they, they probably, if they're going to be an accessory show, they probably st ought to start now to look at January or February. That would be my, or maybe having an ISPO bike show version because people are starting to move away from the fall shows. They've already done their bike buying by the time they get there anyway. So it's... Uh, the show situation is, is challenging right now. Definitely. And yeah. I mean, we've seen that a lot more distributors are doing their own house shows with their yeah. own brands. And that seems to be something that is becoming more and more common. Yeah, I, I frankly don't like it because, um, you know, having been in the industry when Interbike developed and became a massively successful show worldwide, um, along with Eurobike, um, I, I believe that you know, companies like Trek and Specialized belong at the national shows, frankly. Uh, if you go to Outdoor Retailer, which is a great outdoor show in the U.S., you see Patagonia, you see North Face. North Face has a massive booth. They could do their own house show, but they don't. They go to OR. You see everything. Marmot, um, all the great outdoor brands are at OR. They could easily do their own shows, but they don't. They back up the industry, and, and it 
quite honestly, it angers me that Specialized and Trek don't back up our industry and come to the industry show as opposed to their own shows. I, I, I don't believe in it. I think it's the wrong thing. I don't think it's supportive of the industry, and it may get them what they need, which is a captive audience, but it's not good for the industry. And as, as industry partners, they should be partners and participate. That's my opinion, you know, my two cents on that. <laughs> Oh, it's always good to have opinions. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get 2.5 cents with me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for Tafosi in the future then? Is there any big plans or uh, anything that we should look for coming up? Well, you know, it's challenging for us because I, I explained to you that we're about technology, price, and service. I didn't say marketing. And the, and the reason for that is, again, we don't have the margin that Oakley has. So... If we're only making $15 per pair and they're making 85, the challenge for us is that it's really tough to, to be a consumer pull brand. Now we're doing a lot online with our website, but we, we don't have the money to really go out there and, and promote our brand. So for us, it's about um, uh, making it happen in the field with our sales reps and our partners uh, one customer at a time in the in the retail stores, and so um, uh, it's harder it's harder for us to 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 expand that the, that way that some other eyewear brands do. But um, the Swank series, the lifestyle product, has enabled us to expand our, our horizons into outdoor. Um, outdoor customers love a more traditional style. Um, so we're the number one selling model now in REI in the States, which is a 200-store outdoor, ch massive outdoor chain. We're now looking at college bookstores where they can sell uh, that type of product. It's, it's even taking off in the Golf Channel. So this, this, um, this is a definite avenue for us to expand outside of just sports venues. Uh, while we also sell it in sports venues. So um, that, that's a definite um, opportunity to expand. It might, it might lead to things like surf shops. Uh, our sales rep here who handles uh, I, the Southwest, I think it's Cardiff and that area, Devon maybe, um, I don't know it real well, but um, he is having success in those types of seaside shops. Uh, you know where that type of product is more popular yeah. and uh yeah so um it's it's tough in other channels but we're also having success in ski stations where they sell goggles we don't sell goggles because it's too competitive but but they sell a lot of sunglasses in ski shops mm -hmm. so yeah so that's that's been the um the main avenue for us in terms of growth that i can see coming up and um and we're selling more direct as well through our website yeah so uh, that's, that's, I think this, this li outdoor lifestyle, we call it where sport meets life is, is really, uh, a, a ne our next step. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what, uh, what's to come in the future then. Jay, yeah. thank you so much for speaking yeah. to me and for giving your time. Sure. Thank you for having me, Haley. It's been great.